Let me ask you this, did, how long were you and Noreen married? Uh, almost 20 years. 20 years. Any children? Uh, yes, uh, one, one natural child, uh, Collier. Uh, he's uh, 16 right now. Oh, I was uh, 16. See, I'm smart. Uh, how does he feel about all this? I mean, this is... Well, he's very distraught. He was manipulated by uh, David Messmore of the Mansfield Police Department and a few other people. So, let's just get a couple of things straight. Um, I did have a relationship with Dave Messmore and his wife. Wonderful people. And um, they were probably the reason, the biggest reason at that time in my life that I didn't... Uh, want to end my life or that I at least made it through the only person that's manipulating Collier is my father testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife Noreen and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie Pennsylvania the 12 year old son finally took the stand as I heard a scream I heard a thud it was about this loud we the jury find the defendant guilty when I was 12 years old my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother this podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Hey, movers, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Murder. I'm your host, Collier Landry, and man, do I have an episode for you guys today. Woo! Um... I have reached back into the archives on this one for all of you, and um, I'm really excited to talk about it. But first, and actually, for those of you that subscribe to my Patreon, you are already kind of privy to this episode because I did a post on this a few days ago sharing the material that I'm sharing with you guys today. So just know that you get first-hand access when you subscribe to my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Collier Landry. All the money goes here to support this podcast, which currently is ad free, but not for long, but, um, uh, your support is what makes this program possible and allows me to create the content for you guys that, you know, that I feel best suits you guys, my audience. And I know from the responses that I get on social media and now I'm on TikTok. check it out. Um, that you guys are really enjoying what I'm doing. So your support is appreciated if you can. And if you can't, at least subscribing to the podcast, downloading, telling your friends about it, wherever you get your podcasts, that helps a lot. It really does because, um, yeah, I love doing this for you guys. So there's my little sales pitch. Anyways, today's episode is super cool. And, um, I don't know if it's super cool or not. We're going to find out because it's all going to be live, uh, as a live to tape, if you will. Um, but, uh, and speaking of tape, yes, yes, there is a tape. Okay. So but first of all, Let's get to <clears throat> viewer questions, my DM of the week. So today's DM on Instagram, and it's a very long message, but I'm going to sort of just read through the highlights here. Good evening. I just wanted you to know that I've spent most of the day listening to almost all your videos on YouTube. To go through such a traumatic event and be empowered to speak about it is something I aspire to do one day. When I was 17, I was in an abusive relationship with a man much older than me. Being 17, I was naive and had severe attachment issues with my father who abandoned me. So having someone shower me with affection was the best thing in the world for me. Little did I know that this man was a sociopath. 
He was so charismatic, knew all the right things to say, very manipulative. He ended up isolating me from my friends and family. I hope one day I can tell my story as you did and help someone else who may have been in my situation. Thank you for sharing your story with the world. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, uh, I would really like to say that, um, stories are a rarity in my DM boxes and my messages, but that's not the case. Um, it's really heartbreaking to hear that someone, you know, at such a young age gets sort of duped by the charisma and the narcissists and the sociopaths that just come in and just take over their life. And it's really about control. And I was actually speaking to someone about this earlier tonight. Um, they they were they've been in a string of abusive relationships so they were in one for seven years and they were just like well they yeah they just control you and then you can't get out and that's the thing i i, I think that when you're wrapped up in someone's world if someone else has, has actually wrapped it's better someone else has actually wrapped themselves up in your world and taking complete control of your life um it's really hard to get rid of them because they do make you feel like you are you have no power to leave them and you're nothing without them. And, and to do this to a child, when she's 17 when she was in high school and dropped out. I mean, I'm very happy that she has a happy ending to this with kids. And I'm sorry that she's still struggling through the trauma because it doesn't, you know, it, it it's tough, man. It's tough. Um, God, I feel for her. Um, so thank you for sharing that with me. And, um, we are all pulling for you. Um, but thank you. Anyways, uh, speaking of coercive control and manipulation. So in my hands right here is a tape that I found in the bin of my father's letters. And this tape is dated December 29th, 1994, almost five years to the day of my mother's murder. And what makes this particular tape interesting, which I have not listened to, by the way, we are going to listen to it together. Now I have recorded it and put it, like I said, on the Patreon, but I didn't listen to it. I literally just recorded it and, you know, cut it down and whatever. I didn't hear much of anything of what my father said because I wanted to do it for you guys on the actual podcast. Um, so my father was interviewed on a radio show that's called What's Right, What's Left with Pastor Ernie Sanders. Pastor Sanders actually still has the same radio program. And this is what? So this is 1994. So 28, 20, yeah, this is 28 years later, right? Is my math correct there? Yeah, 28 years later. Um, he still has the program. He It's now, I think it's now like a part podcast and it's on, on the internet and he's on, you know, broadcasting radio stations across the United States and probably across the world. Um, ironically, my producer, who I told about this tape, reached out to him. And so... There is actually a part two to this particular episode, which is going to come out next week, where I discuss not what's on the tape because I hadn't listened to it, but I discuss some of the things that were brought up. It, 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 it'll make sense at the end of this, but um, it's very interesting hearing this. And what makes this interesting is a few weeks ago, I did an episode with my father's letters where he was 
gaslighting and I alluded to like this Chinese gold smuggling and things, but he was, this letter was written in, I think the end of November, 1994. And he said something that was really poignant. And he said, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that come out about mommy. Yes. My father refers to in letters, my mother as mommy. It's weird. I know you guys have all commented on it, but it's the truth. Um, cause I'm reading them as he writes them. Um, but he says, you know, you're going to hear these things about mommy that might be upsetting to you, but just know your mother was a good woman and all this stuff because he's gaslighting me and he's manipulating me. Well, obviously he was alluding to this particular interview that we're going to listen to because I know that this is full of some crazy talk from my father. I'm pretty sure. And I don't like using that word crazy. I don't use that to describe anyone else, but like my father, it, it, to give a little more context to this. So at this time, my father was trying to get an appeal for his conviction for murdering my mother. And he was coming up with a bunch of stories and, and we're going to hear what he, he says. So, um, yeah, let's get to it. Shall we? So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to, uh, we're, we're going to listen to this together and then I'll stop and I'll probably offer some commentary or maybe I'll offer some anger or whatever, but it'll be, this will be really interesting and fun guys. Trust me. So in with the earbuds, we go. Woohoo. Music's interesting. Good afternoon once again and welcome to What's Right, What's Left with your host, radio pastor Ernie Sanders. Today's show comes to you live from the studios of WCCD AM 1000. The guest for the second hour will be Dr. Jack Boyle, a prisoner. And now to tell you more, here's your host, Dr. radio Jack pastor Boyle, Ernie Sanders. A prisoner. Okay, we're back. We're expecting a call from Dr. Jack Boyle. Now, what Dr. Boyle has to say, is that Dr. Boyle? Okay is going to be uh, his... What's interesting is he says Dr. Boyle. You, but my I'm father's not, not a doctor anymore because, because we don't know what you get stripped say. of your medical We're license when you, get, when you go to prison for murder. Just story. fun fact. Dr. Boyle, are you there? Yes. Say hi to all of Cleveland. Sanders? Yes, this is Pastor hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good, good. Struggling, but we're keeping our head above water. Well, say hi to all of Cleveland. Struggling, okay. but we're keeping our head uh, above Dr. water. Dr. Boyle, you are right now calling... Uh, from a prison in Lebanon, Ohio. Is that correct? Correct, yes. And you're spending, well, let you tell the folks who you are and, and tell them your story. This is your opportunity to get your side of the story, story out. Well, I'm, I'm Dr. Jack Boyle of Mansfield, Ohio. And in June of 1990, I was convicted uh, of the murder of my wife, Noreen. Uh, yeah. We have been fighting that uh, uh, conviction, which we uh, feel to be the result of an unfair trial and uh, no evidence to support that conviction uh, yeah. since that date. No evidence to support uh, that conviction? Noreen, uh, uh, oh boy. Noreen's body was found, or allegedly her body was found, under my uh, uh, basement uh, in uh, a new home in Erie, Pennsylvania on January 25th of 90. And uh, the circumstances uh, surrounding her disappearance uh, and the entire case itself were extremely fragmented. Cold brew coffee. And we have been uh, attacking Doesn't make it uh, any through easier. the court system uh, the actual trial. 
and uh, possibly some of, uh, some of your uh, readers or uh, listeners may have heard, uh, on uh, December 24th, uh, Attorney Tom Adgate of Akron, Ohio, and his associates who have uh, taken on my case, uh, made an announcement that they have obtained permission to uh, begin the uh, exhumation process and uh, get a proper identity on the body and to actually complete an autopsy, which we were denied prior to trial. Okay, so I'm going to stop this just for a moment <clears throat> to give you guys, the audience, a little bit of context. So uh, this attorney that he's talking about, and I had referenced this guy before um, in uh, the letter with the, in the episode with the letter, which is like from a few weeks ago. Um, I believe it is episode 34, Moving Passport, 35, 33, something like that. It's in the 30s, Um, which I am too. Just kidding. Uh, So in that letter, I I realized that, so what had happened is, is around this time, so I'm, what is 1994, so I'm 16 years old now, and so I'm a junior in high school, right? Does that make sense? Junior, yeah, I'm a junior in high school, and... Um, my father, there was a bunch of people that had come forward, which is, this is all tied together, obviously. And this is tied to next week's episode as well. So there was a bunch of people that come forward and said that my mother's body was not my mother's and they wanted to, there was a big article in the Akron Beacon journal written by a journalist named Ted Joy. There was a book written by a gentleman named Martin Yant called Rotten to the Core, which was talking about corruption in Mansfield, Ohio and uh, the police department and all this stuff. And now I cannot speak to any of that because I don't know like what, what, what or what not went on in the Mansfield police department. All I can say is that my experience with the Mansfield police department and Lieutenant David Messmore was top notch, solid. Like we're going to, you know, outside of treating my mother's case, like a missing person's case. But once Dave Messmore listened to me on the, whatever it was, the first and, first of January, 1990. And like that, my mother was dead. Like from then on, it was, it was game on. So, um, I have nothing but respect and admiration for the police department in Mansfield, Ohio. Just want to get that out of the way. So, and also like what my father's probably going to say is really crazy. I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty nutty. Those are his opinions. That's it. And, um, it's the opinions of a, of a person, of a man who is convicted for murdering my mother that I witnessed um, grabbing for straws. So that's kind of what we're witnessing here. So he's grabbing for straws. And, um, but anyways, so to tie this in, I had, because of these questions that came up, it was a question about my mother's body weight, her eye color being brown instead of blue, like mine. I got my, I got my mother's eyes. So they were very blue. And my, uh, there was this question of like, what uh, was it really my mother's body? And in my sort of quest to kind of have my peace with the situation and everything, and I thought, okay, I will authorize the exhumation of my mother's body and give a DNA test to see if it is. And ultimately, my aunt, my mother's sister, uh, Carol, she also gave a DNA test as well. Um, so <clears throat> so that is how they, they figured out that it was my mother's body, right? So to give the benefit of the doubt as a child who was healing and who I guess, you know, honestly at the time, maybe there was still part of this little small part of me that was hoping that mother, that wasn't my mother's body. Then maybe my mother was going to come back 
and you know reappear like you know like nothing ever happened i mean i think that there's i think ultimately when you're a child that goes through a trauma like that and your mother is taken away from you so abruptly and so horrifically i do think that you that you most certainly probably try to oh man you just try to really you never really let go of hope that maybe Maybe it's wrong. Like maybe she really is going to come back and and see me. And I and to be honest with you guys, like and, and this is just me being real here, I did have a lot of those feelings growing up. Like maybe this would still happen. And I would say that probably even like uh, when I moved to LA, I was like maybe I'll see her on the streets. And I know that that was not going to happen. But I think there's a small part of you inside that really hopes that maybe this shit isn't true and that maybe it's all been a nightmare and you'll wake up one day and everything will be right as rain course that's stuff the dreams are made of um but anyways let's continue determine the cause of death all right now they claimed what did they claim was the cause of death uh the cause of death that was claimed by the state of ohio was that uh, suffocation by means of a plastic bag placed over the head and blunt trauma to the head now there's a couple things that that i i little concerned about or have some questions about first of all when they set bail on you what was the bail they set uh, the bail was actually set at five million dollars cash now that is I mean this is uh, that's just not unusual what's, uh, yeah, what's that's, that's absolutely outrageous uh, I'm not quite certain of the details but I believe that I mean, uh, were... Noriega's bail may have been maybe two or three million and I think Leona Helmsley was about two or three million dollars. Yet in, in Richland County, my bail was set at five million cash. Do you have any uh, <laughs> ideas on why that was the case? I mean, obviously they didn't want you to. Really? To Are we talking about we're talking about bail? Why so hard? <laughs> we're talking about well, bail I money. Well, I think uh, the uh, choice here was uh, based on several considerations. Uh, retrospectively, the uh, uh, Richland County and the city of Mansfield itself had been under a significant amount of uh, uh, scrutiny by the FBI for several uh, female deaths that had scrutiny not, not by been the solved. FBI. I think it was six or eight murders that had not been solved over the prior six or eight years, and uh, that was well documented in a report called the Green Hill Report. The Green uh, Hill Report. By, uh, a retired FBI agent. Uh, Is that like the Green Hill. New Deal? And that came out in about August of '89. And I think that the uh, Mansfield Police Department was facing some pressure for not solving any of these crimes. And uh, when uh, the disappearance of Noreen Boyle arose, we were in the middle of a divorce, uh, which was favorable to me. The, uh, uh, the opportunity that is one thing that's true. Think, my, uh, my father was raking my mother over the coals to try to make in the a divorce. Show trial, and I think for the sure. bail is just symptomatic of the uh, show trial uh, concept that they tried to uh, establish. All right, there's been a lot Show of question trial. about uh, a lot of these murders and possibly the Mansfield Police Department being involved or tied in some way to some of these murders. Have you heard uh, any of, of that talk? Well, that's correct. Uh, there has been uh, uh, much rumor and speculation that certain police officers were involved with uh, the oh death boy. or disappearance or association of many of the uh, women. Uh, that uh, subsequently found up murdered. In fact, in my own case, there is a strong rumor uh, between retired police captain David Messmore of the Mansfield Police Department, 
and his uh, relationship with uh, Noreen. Yeah. Well, th- th- I mean, I mean, it's common <laughs> knowledge in Mansfield. I'm going to tell you something, 100%. And I remember the years. I remember when all these rumors were coming out. <laughs> the notion that my mother knew, let alone had a relationship with Dave Messmore, is utterly fanciful. It's that's a very polite way of saying it's complete bullshit. Um, this is again a person who's grabbing for straws, looking for <clears throat> ways to to blame other people for his his actions, which, as we know now, <laughs> was the case after seeing you know making a murder in Mansfield and my father's. It, it, yeah, it it doesn't matter. It's um, this is what we are listening to is a man trying to grab for straws and try to manipulate not only the pastor and his audience, but you know, he's been, he was trying to manipulate me and everyone around him. It's interesting. I mean, if you talk to people down there, uh, they have got the reputation uh, that the Chicago cops had back in the forties. But uh, Chicago cops. Uh, that, they, I'm sorry, they have a reputation the as what? Chicago the, cops. That the Chicago cops had like during the Capone era. Oh yes. Yes. Well, I think. Uh, uh, I don't think that was the '40s. The I think that was the that '30s. Well with Capone, has, bootlegging. Uh, uh, more recently, been brought out by the book. Uh, I think just published by Marty Yant called "Rotten to the Core." Rotten to the Core. We're going to probably be doing a, a program on that. You hang tight. We'll be right back. Oh, okay. hang tight. Oh, we have an ad. God, this is like '80s. Pretty good on the road. Have your sunglasses with you this afternoon. This WCCD traffic update oh, my sunglasses. is brought to you by Southwest Airlines. Now off the freeway, oh, really? On to the freeway. Wish I had listened what's to this right, before. What's yeah, left? Could have cut all this. Okay, we're back. Out. I'm Radio Pastor Ernie Sanders. We have Dr. Jack Boyle with us, and he is calling from Lebanon, Ohio, from uh, WCI Warren Correctional Institute. Uh, Dr. Boyle, I visited my we father were talking about some of the uh, several times the allegations of the corruptions in the Mansfield Police Department. There's some things that, you know, I've been looking at your case, and there's a couple of things that jump right out at me. And, when I, and I'm saying that because we, we have a very large prison ministry, and I spend a lot of time with prison inmates all over the state. Now, all, you know, you are charged with first-degree murder. Is that correct? That's correct. And you were convicted on first-degree murder. Is that correct? That's correct. He was convicted on okay, aggravated now, murder, not That means that murder. this was, was not... It was premeditated. Uh, <laughs> Oh, a crime of passion, but you were convicted of premeditated uh, murder. And everyone I know that has been convicted of that uh, is done on death row. Why aren't you on death row? Why are you doing life? Um, I can't give you an actual answer on that, Pastor. All I know is when the trial concluded, the uh, presiding judge, uh, James Henson... uh, The reason why my father wasn't given the death penalty is because of me. For the record, because, yeah, he had a kid and he had my sister who was just, you know, born 12 days before he was arrested. So, yeah, they didn't give him the death penalty for that reason. Just saying. Sentenced me to uh, 20 to life in prison uh, with uh, parole eligibility somewhere around the year 2010. And there was never any question of any uh, death penalty brought forward at all. So I really don't know uh, the particulars of his decision, but I think it's it's symptomatic of the rest of the uh, uh, 
uh, entire uh, legal proceeding in Mansfield, it's, and that's uh, to sum it up in one word: suspect is the uh, the best word. Okay. See, the thing so, is, I spoke to here, the judge it, before it, it he just, sentenced my it father. It almost sounds like these people are saying, "Look, we're going to put this guy away. He's going to stay away." But they were hesitant to give you the death sentence. It's almost like like they were saying, "I don't want his blood under my hands." Uh, you know, we really don't believe he's guilty of, of first-degree murder, but we've got to keep him out of the way. Do you, do you get that feeling? Yes, oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, uh, there's many, many indications that the prosecution made uh, uh, conscious wow. decisions to conceal not only evidence but uh, the truth from the public. Wow. And we're no. looking at several things. For example, just about... Uh, uh, seven weeks ago, we discovered that the uh, uh, plastic bag that was over the head of the decedent, the body, had a partial fingerprint on it. That fingerprint was discovered by the FBI, and it was found not to be Dr. Boyle's fingerprint, and not to be anything in the FBI files. Prosecutor Mayor, the Mansfield Police Department, uh, were fully aware of this ever prior to my trial, but this evidence was never presented at trial. On this All right, case. you know when you when you speak of the the body, you're, you're, and when you say Dr. Boyle, you're, you're speaking of yourself. Low and, profile uh, for the FBI to get involved, uh, even though it did cross state lines, which that was always a thing of, that I of Noreen, was curious or and, and your ex-wife. Yes. Or was it really Noreen? Well, we don't really know that. Um, the uh, Beacon Journal did an extensive, I think, eight to ten month investigation and uh, discovered uh, many uh, uh, abnormalities, uh, lack of evidentiary support, uh, certainly a numerous amount of uh, quest uh, questions regarding the identity of the body, uh, ranging from uh, body height, body weight, uh, eye color, missing organs, etc. And again, the only identification of the body was made by Mansfield Police Lieutenant at that time, David Messmore. No family members identified the body. No. F um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm pretty sure that my mother's sister ID'd my mom. I'm pretty sure because I remember her coming in and I think that she did go down and look at the body. But just for the record, my mother was identified not by Lieutenant David Messmore. I mean, maybe he was like, that looks like Noreen Boyle to me, which as those of you that have seen the film Murder in Mansfield, there is me looking at the case file for the first time and seeing photographs of my mother's dead body um, which was a challenging moment for me to put it lightly um, but uh, my mother was identified by her dental records and it was actually my the dentist um, that was my dentist and her dentist and the ortho I believe also the orthodontist uh, that that verified these records these dental records for my mother um, so that's how she was identified, not by Lieutenant Messmore going, oh, yeah, I know her because we were having an affair or whatever my father's alluding to, which is just crazy town. Prints were taken from the body. 
the uh, uh, dental examination was a partial dental examination. Uh, no blood samples were taken from the body to corroborate anything in that area. And uh, all of that was orchestrated by Messmore, unfortunately. I'm going to ask you a question, and, and Dr. Boyle, you don't have to answer this question uh -huh. if you don't want to. Uh, just if you, would, if you would say, I would rather not answer that, I would understand why, because it would be a personal question. Uh-huh. Um, there is, there have been allegations made that uh, a police officer in the Massfield Police Department was having an affair with your ex-wife, Noreen, uh, during, uh, at the time when, when uh, the so-called murder took place. Is that correct? And you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. That is correct. And now, was this the, the police officer also that was assigned to investigate this murder? All originates from one institution. Well, <laughs> there's, there's just a lot of, of strange things taking place here. I mean, this is, uh, boy, this whole thing, uh, it, it stinks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now, I, oh, guess, yeah. I guess that leaves a couple of questions. The whole if, thing does stink, and yes, it does leave a couple of questions but not in the way that you guys are talking about it. Wow. Wow. Let's keep listening. That body is not Noreen, and, and I hope, I, you know, I, I just pray if it was Noreen that she went home to be with the Lord. If it's not her, then my question is, who is it? And the next question would be, where's Noreen? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, the Beacon Journal turned up some people who thought they saw Noreen anywhere from Toledo to Columbus, Ohio to uh, uh, California. Uh, huh. We don't really know where Noreen is because no one's tracked her down yet. My mom definitely wasn't in Toledo. Uh, Just gonna... Part of it is conceivable that it could, the body could very well be Noreen. Wow. But there's been such a hodgepodge of mistakes uh, uh, in the autopsy. <coughs> that uh, we have to seriously question, obviously, the cause of death and the actual positive identification of the body. And uh, the, uh, uh, we've already had a preliminary review of the autopsy video and the autopsy report by Dr. Cox in uh, the Summit County Coroner, and he differs on the cause of death from that which was presented by the state of Ohio. Now, you must recall, we filed a proper motion to have that body uh, to have an autopsy and a forensic examination on that body by our own medical experts, and we were denied that by the trial court. And this is absolutely unheard of in our uh, society where the rules of law and the rules of evidence, in particular in Ohio, uh, permit you to review the evidence. In fact, when we filed the motion in court, the uh, prosecutor came back and said, well, the body was no longer in the custody, possession, and control of the state of Ohio and was buried in Maryland. And uh, our request to examine that body was filed within six days after my, re my uh, arrest. So uh, it seems like that there was a, a real hurry to get uh, that body, and that's not normal. Is that, that body's what? That, that is not normal procedure. Oh, no, no, absolutely not normal. In fact, ironically, or, or uh, however you want to look at it, uh, when the announcement was made by uh, Tom Adgate that we're exhuming the body, the Richland County prosecutor, James Mayer, came back on the front page of the Mansfield so, News Journal yesterday and said that he is going to oppose any exhumation. And 
So here's a couple of things that are super duper interesting and very easy to gloss over <laughs> if you don't know the facts. So the difficult thing here <clears throat> is my mother's body was buried in wet concrete. She was dead for 25 days. So if you think about that, if you think about the fact that, um, that God, this is just really, sorry, this is really hitting me when I think about it. So the, the, the body was like decomposing already. So to put, to bury my mother's body quickly after doing an autopsy, which most likely didn't yield a lot of results. I mean, this, you, you have to think that, that, so this is 2022 that we're in. This is 32 years ago. Forensics were not what they are now, right? Um, it's um, it's interesting to hear them to them talk about this. I don't I don't think anyone with a rational brain goes, okay, a body that's been decomposing for 25 days is going to yield. Let's just put it through more autopsies. And I, I don't know. Um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me that uh, that they thought they could get another autopsy. <clears throat> Who knows? This is a man who has no legal standing in the case. We have probable cause, number one. We have the uh, permission of the next of kin to exhume the body. And this man now does not want this body exhumed. Uh, We're going to have to break right here for a break. But okay. We'll be right back. This is getting more and more interesting, folks. No, no ID, ID found. No ID found. And now back with more of What's Right, What's Left, here's radio pastor Ernie Sanders. Okay, we're back, and we have Dr. Jack Boyle. And, folks, uh, we're giving Dr. Jack Boyle his opportunity to come and tell his story. And the reason we do that is because I don't know what, what Dr. Boyle is going to tell you. I'm asking him some questions. I have uh, some information on his case. But the bottom line is, Everyone should have an opportunity to tell their story. In today's society, it's getting harder to do that. Our judicial system is becoming more and more corrupt. And, and uh, you know, I want to praise God that we still have some honest judges. We still have some honest attorneys. But, you know, we have to um, look at it and, and face the facts. That is what's happening out there. And we're here to warn you, to let you know, because we need to make some changes. And, and I am a person who's I believe look if you do the crime you got it you you should receive the punishment if yeah you do you the should crime, you need to receive the punishment absolutely do the, do crime, the crime gotta do, do the, the time I'm, I'm do the time I am very very 100% uh, in favor of justice but and, and justice means also that you should have a fair trial and that's the problem. My father's trial. Uh, Ten years ago, fifteen years ago. My father's trial was three and a half weeks. That's a long time. No, it might have even been longer. Unbelievable. Let's go back fifteen years ago. If you would have told me 
that this type of thing was taking place, I wouldn't have believed you. But after sitting in courtroom after courtroom after courtroom and hearing the things that I'm hearing from prosecuting attorneys, the guys I always thought were the good guys. I thought these guys, they were telling the truth, okay? And the judges were the good guys, and they were going to tell you the truth. And the, uh, you know, the, the, the people on trial were normally the bad guys. And uh, that's the way it worked. But, folks, I got to the point where I had a hard time not distinguishing between the players. You know, who was the, the biggest crook? And, and I hate to say it, but that's happening more and more often. Do you find that to be the case, Dr. Boyle? Yeah, yes, I do. Um, uh, I had the same attitude prior to uh, my own trial because I thought uh, things were uh, truth, justice, in the American way. But it's not that way in the courtrooms as I experienced it in Richland County. In fact, I would dare say that the search for truth is not in the highest tradition of the uh, prosecuting attorney's office in Richland County. Winning means winning is the bottom line. By all means, win if at any means. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. I think there's a, a complete abdication of the responsibilities to the Constitution as manifested uh, by uh, uh, Richland County. Uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind. We're talking about critical evidence that was denied the jury's review. Uh, there's no way the jury could have made any type of quote-unquote rational decision to convict when they never heard the evidence of a different uh, cause of death, uh, perhaps a different time of death. In fact, there was no time of death ever given. Uh, all the uh, mistakes that uh, were made in the case, uh, it's just an inclusion of, a, of uh, additional materials that are relevant to the determination of the merits that were never even brought out at trial. Uh, so you, it's very easy to say that the legal conclusions that were reached in the prior uh, procedure are plainly erroneous in legal terms. The trial was all fouled up, and that's a generous term right there. Well, absolutely, and I've seen this in case after case after case. I one, uh, my own experience, one time I went to uh, <sighs> to get a bottle of a pop downstairs. Bottle of pop, because we're all from Ohio in the Midwest. Uh, we said that's pop. That machine, the prosecuting attorney. I was a witness... <coughs> In a, in a case for, def, for the defense and the prosecuting attorney actually came to me and asked me if I couldn't if I couldn't lie then to, to at least not say anything when I was on the stand and this was the very same I guy that sat next to me lie. at a men's prayer breakfast boy I tell you I felt like taking that man out and just whipping the dickens out of him right outside uh, but but you know it's unbelievable Whipping that these the things take place and these things Whipping happen. Uh, you know you should have had an opportunity to uh, give your your side of the story. I mean you should have a fair opportunity. Uh, so what's going to happen now? This are you going to be able to get a Marine's uh, body exhumed? Well, we're getting the body exhumed. Uh, we don't see any difficulty with that, even though. Uh, Attorney Mayor has uh, made a grandstand approach to the public in Mansfield that he's not going to permit such an exhumation. What, what are they afraid of? What is it they're afraid that's, of? That's the first question that came into my mind when I heard that. Um, I, I think any logical, rational human being would say, what is he trying to hide? And it's quite obvious Mayor is covering up something or wants something covered up. Do you think that it's or possibly it's just complete bullshit, not Marine's body, like, hey, we don't want to put body, it the, is there, the family, is what he doesn't want people to know? We don't want the family, we don't want the community to go through this bullshit again. I mean, I would think that's a pretty valid reason to not go through all of this. I don't think it's a cover. Like, what are you going to find after? Uh, it's just, this is... See, this is, as as 
as they're trying to say, well, this is the fucked up side of the justice system as far as, oh, people not getting justice. No, this is the fucked up side of the justice system. This is why the American justice system, system love it or hate it, is, you know, it, it's completely flawed and there's a lot of, you know, malfeasance that goes along with it, but it is still the best justice system in the world. And this is why, because here's a guy who clearly killed his wife, his son witnessed it, you know, uh, and testified in court for two and a half days against his father. And then goes, this, this guy's been in prison for almost five years or four years, or my father had been in custody for five years at this point. <clears throat> and, you know, he's still allowed to make these accusations and still allowed to go through with an appellate process and still allowed to, to request the exhumation and get the exhumation of the body to get a DNA test to see if it's, if it yields anything. I mean, not a lot of people get that opportunity, especially don't get it. I mean, it's, it's so as much as this, you know, the, the, our radio host here, and this is, you know, this is not his fault anyways, but you know, as they want to say, oh, there's, there's issues with the justice system. It's also, there is an issue with like people abusing the system, like my father, who, as we all have seen in the film, admits to murdering my mother to, well, <laughs> admits to pushing her and getting into a fight, his own story of that, but whatever, this is a man grabbing for straws to try to get out of prison could very well be. I mean, I think this whole thing was uh, a certain willingness on the part of uh, the prosecutor uh, to subordinate the law to perhaps his own political interests. I mean, um, he comes from a, a family tradition of corruption. His father was removed from the uh, trial courts in Mansfield by the Ohio Supreme Court several years ago. And uh, he, he appears to be carrying on the same family tradition at one level. Well, all right, let's, let's just God. take it. If they exhume the body, and, and you believe that's going to happen, right? Yes. Uh, and it's not Maureen. I guess Maureen, uh, what's Maureen. going to determine on what happens Maureen is her from name. that point will, will be determined by who the body is. Is that correct? Yes. Well, I think in very simplistic legal terms, uh, if the uh, body is, is determined not to be Noreen's, then uh, I will be released from the penitentiary because I'm charged with murdering Noreen. And if the body doesn't match up, well, then bingo, that's, uh, the evidentiary support does not hold up. Well, wait a minute, but you still have a body, and the body was still uh, supposedly found uh, in the house that you owned in Pennsylvania, correct? Correct, yes. Well, I mean, aren't you going to be charged in that case with the murder then of whoever that is? Well, I, d I really don't know what's in the prosecutor's mind. Uh, the interesting feature on that body, by the way, is that it was found on January 25th under fresh, wet concrete. And uh, fresh, wet concrete was found on the wall uh, of the basement. When I was charged with burying that body and cementing that gravesite uh, December 31st or the first three or four days of January, so it's very peculiar that the concrete would be that fresh almost 30 days later. Uh, but I have no idea what the, the prosecutor will do uh, in terms of I mean, do we really uh, think if that the my body father is not Noreen. Well, buried the body right, straight they, away. And from what I understand, from ready? what I read in the paper, they're basing this on uh, the so. fact that they traced uh, a jackhammer that was rented by you. Is that correct? That's correct. 
However, the jackhammer was never proven to be used. Um, there was no evidence presented at trial that showed, number one, that the jackhammer was used or that the uh, concrete that was dug up, the concrete samples that they had, were dug up by a jackhammer. Everything was based on assumption and presumption. Well, I mean, uh, why would you rent a jackhammer if you weren't going to use it? Oh, well, the jackhammer was, uh, was rented uh, in conjunction with uh, Mark Davis, uh, a friend of mine in Mansfield who was going to use it on his property, a new office, and I was going to use it uh, to get some bricks dug up in the back of my Hawthorne Lane home. Okay, so then, in fact, you didn't use it, though. I think that originally in the trial, my father said that he had gotten the jackhammer because he was going to do some plumbing work in the house, in our home in Mansfield, Ohio. That's in the basement, <laughs> not bricks in the backyard. I don't even know what he's talking about, bricks in the backyard. I played in that backyard for five years. I don't really remember a whole lot of bricks going on in the <laughs> backyard. We had this, like, little pine tree area that was right by the garage so I don't know maybe I, I don't know a lot of looniness going on in this uh, particular <laughs> taped conversation oh no that was never used at all oh okay well hang tight we're up against metro traffic we'll be back and find out why the hammer wasn't used oh we're up against the metro traffic still looking pretty good on the highways this afternoon it's off the highways where we have some trouble this WCCD traffic update is brought to you by Manpower Temporary Services. Happy, sleepy, dopey, and dark. Grumpy, bashful, and... <laughs> sneezy. From the people who brought you Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin on Ice comes the most beloved fairy tale of all time. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, live on ice. Get your tickets now at the Gundarina box office and all Ticketmaster locations. The Gundarina Box Office. Driving the truth home. Here's Radio Pastor Ernie Sanders with more What's Right, What's Left. Okay, we're back. I'm Radio Pastor Ernie Sanders, and folks, we have Dr. Jack Boyle. Now, Dr. Boyle, you have, you're professing to be a born-again Christian. If you died right now, you know you'd go home to be with the Lord. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, Pastor. And um, we'll My praise the Lord for that. Let's, born let's again uh, Christian. take He's a look go at home this. To the Lord. going back a little bit with his, with his jackhammer. Uh, yeah, it was never rented. Why wasn't it ever used? Well, the jackhammer was never used because uh, Mark Davis got sick. Um, and that basically uh, undermined the usage of the jackhammer. And uh, about the same time, on December 31st, is when Noreen, is when Noreen took off. Uh, so that just uh, uh, prevented any use of, uh, of using the jackhammer. In fact, it was... Uh, Return to the store unused. Well, you know when when this hits the newspapers, and, and and we saw this in all the news. ABC, NBC, CBS had the picture of this jackhammer, and they had uh, where it was rented from, and and I mean here it was. <clears throat> those those news spots uh, convicted you right there. I mean you were convicted on the air before the trial even began, weren't you? Oh sure, there's no doubt on that. Uh, I think. Um Again, it's just that uh, an unfortunate tragedy that uh, myself, my family, and friends should should be utilized as a pawn in uh, <laughs> perhaps the political agenda, uh, the political agenda of mayor. It's uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but uh, I believe with uh, faith in God and faith in family and friends and my attorneys, and, and believe it or not, faith in the legal system, this will be turned around. I expect a complete vindication. 
Let me ask you this, and, and again, if, I know that this, this, this is a man still under who murdered his wife. And, uh, you know, I know you have personal But he expects a you know, vindication. It's understandable. Uh, <clears throat> do you think that that you were double-crossed by Noreen and, and the police officer that's investigating this case? Well, I suspect there is something going on because... Uh, uh, Noreen l was losing the divorce. In effect, she lost the divorce. She was given limited alimony for only a period of six months, and a domestic relations judge told her to get a job. And that's what it boiled down to. And I remember that. Uh, I remember my mother being she, very upset. Uh, would not be obtaining any of the large... I remember um, that uh, my mother was upset by that. Um, also, this is what happens when you're husband has all the money after you put him through medical school and you're doing all his books and taking care of his his um, money his finances uh, and then he turns around and because he's a sociopath and a narcissist and decides to squeeze you out so yeah he was fucking my mother over in the divorce big time it's not the first time this this tale has ever been heard sums of money that she had anticipated. Now, how could she benefit, though? But I mean, see, I, 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 I wouldn't, how does my how mother benefit by benefit getting herself by, murdered? Um, pulling a hoax, but you know, uh, you know, with with this dead body. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Did did they have a body they wanted to get rid of it and 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 decide to to kill two birds at one stone, get rid of this this person and blame it on you or what? Uh -huh. Well. <laughs> even possible that it's not a hoax. Uh, we must consider that uh, it's possible that that body is Noreen and the fact that something went wrong in whatever uh, business or uh, relationship she was in. We know that she was into uh, uh, dealing with uh, uh, attempting to bring uh, foreign children in the United States and sell them to childless couples. And it's quite possible that any extrapolation from that could have been dealing with drugs or uh, other materials. Well, that is that is Something a big, went wrong. that is a big black market business, and, and that's a, a, a slavery type of ring. Yeah, wow. that works both ways with, with taking uh, kidnapped American children, and, and they ended up being being sold into slavery uh, there to a lot of your uh, Arab sheiks, oil sheiks, and and uh, wealthy huh? people in foreign countries. Uh, you don't think she was involved in that too, do you? Well, we, did, we didn't know so much about that. We knew about uh, uh, the babies that she was getting from Taiwan and selling those on the black you mean market. My sister? And we we just suspected she was over? also involved possibly with smuggling of gold. And uh, there's gold a real smuggling. possibility See? that narcotics could have been involved. Um, I think in Noreen's quest for money, she would have tried anything. And uh, so, so none of that surprises me. Wow. In Noreen's quest for money, she would have tried everything. <clears throat> uh, my mother was not into drugs. My mother was not selling babies and children and gold. And, um, but I think my mother would have done anything in her quest for money to take care of her children. <laughs> uh, I don't think she would have resorted to criminal activity, but my mother would have most certainly uh, said to my father you need to pay for your, these children you need to take care of your son and and my father you know I, I think I remember very specifically my father saying to my mother that you know 
that she can go get a job at McDonald's and that, and that he doesn't care if I go to college and he's not going to pay a dime of it and this, that, and the other. Because he was starting a new life <laughs> with his girlfriend, Sherry Campbell, and uh, she was pregnant with his daughter, uh, my half-sister, and then she had two kids of her own. So, um, you know, there was that, and he was starting a new life, and then he was going to screw over his current wife and his children, <laughs> me, his son of 11 years at that time, uh, because he wanted to lead a new life with his girlfriend in a new house in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's pretty much what happened. Well, where do we go from here? Well, we're waiting for the exhumation, and we know that if the body's not Noreen, that'll take us down one avenue. And if the autopsy uh, uh, confirms the sentiments of Dr. Dr. Cox that the uh, cause of death was not as the state of Ohio uh, rendered, we've got new scientific evidence that uh, will warrant uh, a, a retrial on the case. And I can assure you with the uh, dedicated responsibility of uh, Tom Adgate and his crew in Akron, uh, uh, Larry Smith and Andy Kinder and uh, uh, Mike Minster that, and the rest of the office staff there, that uh, the, the retrial will not go and be the same sham and circus that the first trial was. All right, you now have your own attorneys. A lot of times people don't realize that a lot of times <coughs> The judges do not allow you to have your own attorneys. Uh -huh. Did you have your own attorneys uh, in the first trial? Yes. Uh, wait, hold on. A lot of times the judges don't let you have your own attorneys? Uh, that's a new one on me, on the American justice system. It's always, you have, I think that's in the Constitution of the United States. I believe it's... Uh, Amendment six, right to a speedy and swift trial with the jury of your peers, right at, right to obtain your own counsel for proper defense. I'm pretty sure in the Bill of Rights, not 100 percent, but uh, wow, wow, <clears throat> unbelievable. Well, what actually happened here was when the Beacon Journal article came out, Tom Adgate and his staff were so outraged by the injustice that uh, so uh, if I was willing injustice. to take services from them, they would represent me, and, and that's exactly what happened. I asked Tom and his crew to represent me in, in all forthcoming proceedings, and that's, that's where we stand at this point. Do you think that your, the attorney that you had in the first case uh, did an adequate job? Oh, no, by no means. I think a perfect example of this is the fact that the fingerprint that we're talking about was never demonstrated to the jury when my own defense attorneys knew about it coupled with the fact that the uh, uh, flecks of red paint were found in the debris from the gravesite, and uh, when Prosecutor Mayer was asked why were these not analyzed to see if they came from a red truck or something like that, his, his, his comment was that the, that the red paint chips did not fit his theory of the case. Well, certainly, Dr. Boyle only had white vehicles. He didn't have any red vehicles. So I think to yeah, put my out father anything did. that would be a BMW in that M3. fashion for me would not have uh, suited his objectives. Let me ask you this. Did How long were you and Noreen married? Uh, almost 20 years. 20 years. Any children? Uh, yes. Uh, one, one natural child, uh, Collier. Uh, he's uh, 16 right now. 
Oh, I was uh, 16. See, I'm smart. Well, how does he feel about all this? I mean, this is... Well, he's very distraught. He was manipulated by uh, David Messmore of the Mansfield Police Department and a few other people. In fact, uh, during my pre-trial, uh, David Messmore used to take him from uh, uh, the uh, guardianship home on weekends and take him to his house. So the child basically was brainwashed into thinking his daddy's a murderer. Now, Messmore... So, let's just get a couple of things straight. Um, I did have a relationship with Dave Messmore and his wife. Wonderful people. And um, they were probably the reason, the biggest reason at that time in my life that I didn't uh, want to end my life or that I at least made it through. Um, there was not a lot of contact before the trial uh, because I was the key witness. Um, I wasn't brainwashed. I wasn't manipulated by anyone because nobody can manipulate me to the fact that I woke up to the sound of a scream, then two thuds, then <laughs> my father the next morning telling me, well, mommy took a little vacation call here. We're not going to tell her the police. Like all of that happened. Long before I met Lieutenant David Massmore, long before my mother's body was found, long before my father's trial occurred or I was on the witness stand, um, the only person that's manipulating Collier is my father through his letters, through sending me this tape, through giving these interviews. He's trying to manipulate people to see his point of view. This is a man grabbing his straws. And he knows no shame. He is well beyond the pale. Guy that was in charge of the investigation. That's correct. And he was also the police officer that was having an affair with, with your no wife, Noreen. That's correct. While the two of you were married. Now, it was, it was, was what rank is he? Is he a captain or a lieutenant? Uh, he's a captain, and he retired uh, maybe about six or eight months ago on a, d a medical disability. Now, uh, is, he, was, is he married? Is he married? Yes, I think he's been married three or four times. Okay, so he was having an affair with your wife. Dave was, was married, married twice. And Correct. He, he, he was, was his, taking your son his to his house. Was his wife uh, and that like was during the well, while I was in Raiden County Jail. He was taking picking Collier up on Friday, keeping him in his house until Sunday, and taking Collier out for uh, uh, out to the restaurants and uh, out to the mall to play video games and buying him clothing, etc. Did you protest that? Yes, we did. When we found out, we protested it. Uh, the judge uh, ordered injunction to keep the uh, prosecuting attorney in the Mansfield Police Department away from Collier. And uh, uh, we think that's, that they did stay away. However, prior to trial... Uh, Collier was prepped uh, in an extensive preparation pre prior to his testimony by Attorney Mayor, and that was in violation of that standing court order. Now, a couple of things that occur and a couple of facts that are missing here. So in this preparation of me um, <clears throat> being prepared, uh, it is normal in the American justice system, for those of you that have been a witness in a criminal trial, you will know this, that the prosecutor, if you're whoever you are representing, whatever side that is, whether it's defense counsel or whether it is prosecution, they sit down with you and you have a discussion about what is going to go on in court because they're in court every day. 
you most likely as a citizen <laughs> are not. And it's a little fucking scary, just so you know, especially to a 12-year-old child. One of those conversations of this pretrial prep was, Collier, you do not have to testify if you don't want to. To which I believe I responded over my dead body. Um, but uh, yeah, that's just standard. Now, I, again, was a child witness, so maybe, uh, but no. Um, there was no discussions. There was, Hey, Collier, what did you hear? They do ask you the questions that they think that they're going to, but they don't tell you what to answer. You go over with a statement, but again, I was a very smart and articulate kid and I remembered verbatim. And I will say this until the day I take my last breath, the easiest thing to remember and recite in life is the truth. So when it comes out of your mouth, it's so pure, it follows, it flows. And <clears throat> again, the notion that I was coached or brainwashed as if I'm that stupid uh, is utterly fanciful. Okay, did, now he didn't, did he testify then in your trial? Yes, he did. And he testified for the prosecution? That's correct. Because you murdered my mother. Was reviewed by a child psychologist by the Beacon Journal, and they definitely said that uh, his testimony was uh, giving uh, uh, the appearance of being staged and uh, brainwashed, quote unquote. Now again, this is kind of insulting to me. So I'm I'm now hearing this for the first time. The thing is, is that I testified at trial. It was either two and a half days or one and a half days. For those of you that have been a part or not been a part of a criminal trial um, or a, a legal trial in general, whether it's a civil trial or whatever, being on the witness stand for an entire day is an arduous and grueling process for an adult let alone a 12-year-old boy. So one would think that if I was coached or uh, I was, there was any sort of mendacity in my testimony, meaning I was lying, uh, I probably would have been broken. That's a long time to keep up a, an act or a performance in one of the scariest situations in my young life, uh, the, the most terrifying, not one of the, the most terrifying, uh, staring down a monster in court. So, um, wow. Wow. That's interesting. Now, when was that when, when was the last time you've seen him? Have you, uh, uh, well, prior to, uh, or after sentencing, I saw him once briefly, uh, at the prison here. And the last time uh, I hadn't seen him until just this past November when he came down with his adoptive father, George Ziegler. So Collier uh, and I had a tearful reunion the first or second week of November. And I call him I don't remember being tearful. We write letters back and forth. What was your remember it uh, relationship tearful. With, any, with, with Ziegler? I mean, his adoptive father. Did this go through uh, human services? Don't fucking or say anything bad about George. 
Uh, no, uh, uh, George Ziegler had a son in the same school that Collier was attending, and uh, both George and Susan Ziegler, as good Christians, stepped forward uh, to take over the education and the care and the love of uh, Collier during my absence and Noreen's absence. Well, we want to praise the Lord for that. Yes, absolutely praise the Lord. They're, they're a very uh, uh, kind, caring, loving Christian couple. Well, now, let's just say I, that I may not the have, body is exhausted. I may have lost my fucking shit if he had said something bad about George and Susan. So I'm very glad that didn't happen. It proves that it is not Noreen. Uh, I guess our question is, where is Noreen and uh, what is she doing, I mean, at this time? Yeah, that's something that's going to have to be vigorously pursued if it's not her. Uh, we're going to have to find out exactly what's going on. Now, you said that, that you knew that she was involved with this black market of children. Yes. Uh, there's, she obviously wasn't involved in this by herself. That's uh, there's been some al allegations, uh, many allegations, about the, the Mansfield Police Department, uh, all kinds of things from gambling operations to prostitution operations to selling protections and again like I'm saying uh, these are allegations I don't I we don't have any documentation here to prove it or to disprove it this is um, but there's been so many allegations over the years uh, you know usually where there's some smoke there's some fire I mean this sounds sure. like the plot uh, to like a that, uh, uh, Martin Scorsese that film it's possible that uh, where is Whitey Bulger some, that, or that John Gotti? Maybe, maybe Mr. Sammy the Bull or others were involved with her in this? Well, we, we have a know. strong suspicion through some documentation that attorney Charles Lynch tried to assist her in the adoption of uh, Chinese children in Ohio. Uh, there's some communication between her, uh, her uh, between Noreen and between Lynch on that effect. And we filed a formal complaint with the disciplinary council about his <laughs> conduct, but that was just whitewashed away, unfortunately. But uh, as this case turns around and develops, that's going to be an area that we will pursue. Uh, are you safe where you're at right now? You're, right now you're incarcerated. Uh, if in fact this, you know, this body of a, turns out to be someone who knew too much and gotten away, or in fact if it turns out to be uh, Noreen, uh -huh. uh, there's a reason that she's dead. Uh-huh, okay, correct. There's a reason. <laughs> Uh, do you fear that uh, that maybe you might that your life might be in danger? Um, I have received no death threats or anything of that nature or any threatening <laughs> gestures from anyone, staff or inmates. Uh, and I think it's important to point out here that all police officials and prison officials are not corrupt. Uh, yes, there is a core nucleus of, of people who fit the uh, proverbial uh, description of a dirty people. cop. Not everybody is a dirty uh, cop, my father says. But uh, all police officers and judicial officials are not corrupt. And no, I, we, we want to praise the Lord for that. We want to praise God that we do have. Uh, and we were doing that earlier on the program. I was, I, you know, we do that on a continuous basis. You know, we, I mean, we this praise is so, the Lord for uh, the pastors that have such not manipulation left the gospel, that are still and just, the gospel, have not compromised. We praise uh, yes, the Lord praise, for the judges. Praise the Lord. Uh, who are still honest, uh, the prosecutors that are still honest, uh, Boy, there are, you know, and um, there are so many out there that are, that are being bought and sold. I mean, the bottom line in so much of the judicial system today is, is money. There's, there's big money involved. Uh, 
in a state. So one of the things that's one of the big rackets that is going on is uh, when someone goes down, you know, whatever they're worth, whatever, whether it's uh, a thousand or, you know, five million, that seems to be what the attorney's fees are. And uh, these judges have a tendency to, uh, to appoint friends of theirs to be the defense. Do you, do you see things like that happening? Uh, Pastor, what was your last part of the question? I said, what happens? There's a tendency today. You see a lot of, 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 of when people, when men go to jail, they, they have estates. And it seems like right away uh, the, the amount of their worth is determined. And that, that seems to be what the attorney's fees are. And it seems to be today that a lot of these judges appoint their friends. Sure. Uh, and when these guys go away, uh, they end up with nothing, and these attorneys end up getting richer and richer. Uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting that they would set bail for $5 I mean, million. Is this, were uh, were is you this, worth a lot of this... money uh, when you uh, were arrested? Is this uh, no, that's uh, all part of the myth. I think that was part of the overall effort. Like, uh, i got to stop this for a second. <laughs> so what? And look, I, I you know... Um, Pastor Sanders that does this program, look, he has, his agenda is not my father's. Uh, he runs, my father's just another guest on his program being interviewed and he has a curious mind. And, um, and you know, when I spoke to him and this will be in the next episode, uh, you know, it, it, they do a lot of conspiracy theory discussion. I mean, he's been doing this, like he still does this 32 years later or whatever, this was 28 years later since this interview. Um, you know, he told me that he was very upfront about all of that, you know, uh, and I found him to be a, a really nice and charming and, and, uh, and, and very intelligent and kind man. So I have nothing against him uh, hosting this, you know, uh, having this interview with my father because he's just he's just another guest to him um, and exploring issues that he's passionate about, much like I do on this program as well. So this is what he's into. Um, you know, as far as judges appointing, yeah, there were judges. There was a lot of cronyism, and I experienced that in the courts uh, when I dealt with uh, certain things that went missing and monies and all kinds of stuff when I turned 18. Uh, but that is a discussion for another day. Um, but my father did get to choose his defense counsel, and uh, it, it was his um, his divorce attorney, Charles Robinson, and then uh, Robert Whitney, who is, I believe, still practicing law. I mean, I said this a couple of months ago on the program. I think he's still practicing law. And somebody was like, yeah, he's still practicing law, who is like probably the best criminal attorney in central Ohio easily, uh, represented many people, very competent lawyer. Uh, yeah, just unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable that my father would say things about like my mother selling babies and, and things of that nature. Like what respect for the dead do you have? Like your wife is like, and, and at the end of the day, like, you know that you killed your wife. Oh my God. Possibly to got another minute. Uh, aggrandize or at least uh, perpetuate the individual agendas of several people. Uh, I don't want to call Oh, there's it an agenda being so perpetuated. That's for damn sure. Individual agendas, but. By placing a $5 million cash bond, you, you uh, uh, heighten the interest and you heighten uh, the story level, etc. And I think this is all part of what uh, uh, 
the Mansfield uh, Police Department and the Richland County Prosecutor were attempting to do. Okay, so then they had no personal financial gain in this thing. Well, I don't really know. I believe that uh, uh, several of the attorneys did very well. In fact, I believe in my case there was at one time almost 12 or 13 attorneys involved in various aspects, acting as guardians for the children, guardians of the estate. Okay, you stay right there, Dr. Boyle. We're out of time, folks. We're going to be back tomorrow with another exciting program. Till then, good afternoon, God bless, and remember, always, always, Keep fighting for the fight. You've been listening to What's Right, What's Left with your host, radio pastor, Ernie Sanders. Oh, boy. Wow, 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 wow. Um, A few of my people that listen to this uh, tape on the Patreon... (laughs) Said, hey, did you listen to this? And I, you know, I said, no, I haven't listened to it because I'm going to listen to it as I record this episode, which is what we're doing now. Um, but they were like, you shouldn't listen to this. I'm so glad I did. Um, there's a lot to take away from here. <clears throat> this is going to be very interesting because this is going to tie into the next episode again. Like I said, where I am going to speak to Pastor Ernie Sanders. And uh, a gentleman named Jim Cluse, where, where earlier in the program they were uh, referring to this book by Martin Yant called Rotten to the Core. Jim Cluse was an investigator who was looking into corruption in central Ohio uh, with police departments and with, with sort of nefarious activities. Of course, he alleges the Mansfield Police Department engaging in these activities. The interesting thing is, is that this sort of culture of whatever police malfeasance, misconduct, whatever that he alleges, um, it, it started long before my mother, the situation and very little of what he, they had, what he was looking into is my mother, my mother going missing and all of these things that my father is alleging. They just sort of connected with him and I discussed this with them and sort of what my takeaway is because I found both of those individuals to be very competent, very, uh, um, very steadfast in what they believed in their in their personal convictions and beliefs. And um, <clears throat> as you guys will hear in that episode, you'll, you'll, I hope come away with the same thing. Like they're not to be vilified or excoriated for their, what they think is the truth. And they were ultimately listening to the word of a sociopath, which is interesting, but um, man, there's so much to take away from this episode. Uh, I know this has run a little longer than we normally do, but um I got to say, man, um, that was a lot. That was really heavy. It's like two o'clock in the morning as I'm recording this. I probably will get no sleep because my wheels will be turning. And um, yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys hanging in, sticking in with me on this longer than expected episode. But I thought it was pretty cool to do this. And again, like I found this tape and I just, I was like, I got to get a tape player. I got to record this and share this with you guys because um I felt this was really insightful. Um, sociopathy, narcissism is a dangerous thing, my friends. And um, But hey, we get through it. Anyways, um, 
Thank you all so much for listening to the program. Thank you and please support if you can and you know, support by downloading, telling your friends, subscribing, find me on TikTok. I'm doing a bunch of TikTok stuff, sharing my story, a little more intimate details than I do on the program or different intimate details, I should say. Uh, so, you know, please follow me everywhere on social media at call your Landry. That's Instagram. I go it's live on Instagram every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, yeah, and we'll be getting, we're going to be doing TikTok lives as well, or I'm going to be doing TikTok lives very soon. And um, wow, thanks for sticking in, guys. Uh, I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit mpmpodcast.com to show your support today.